0: Yes, sir. We are live in the flesh. Balling like always because we are war media. And this is another episode of Running With War with a little bit of a different twist because Kyle can't host this time. So it's your boy that's hosting this (laughs) mug. Joshua M. Hicks. We got Drew, we got Chris, and we got a special guest who is, of course, a friend of the show. He's definitely not a stranger. Sean Davis, ESPN One Thousand producer, and man, let's just say that we before we went online, we had a very interesting story time regarding uh you know all this crazy snow, and as much as I love Chicago, I'm re- I'm really realizing this this snow and this this cold ain't for me, bro. <laughs> it's not for me. You bailed out uh, already? Man, look. When you have to step out in all that snow and it's negative degree weather at six in the morning to start your car up every day, it's brutal. You can forget it. Uh, <laughs> you can forget it. Go like When
1: does that pendulum, because you guys are younger than me, right? So when yeah. does that pendulum start to swing the other way? It's like, we all grew up in Chicago. We grew up on the bus stop or riding the bus and just trudging through the snow to get to school and you become numb to it, right? You're just a Midwest kid, like. Mm-hmm. You hit adulthood. When does that pendulum start to swing? Where you like, man, this is some, this is some bull right here. Around what? <laughs> A couple oh, of years ago, around, me.
2: That time, around that time, you discover that playing on concrete ain't the best for your knees. Well, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <That's
3: laughs>
2: Yo, you, you get up in the morning and something hurts for
3: no reason. Oh Yo, yeah, that's I'm on it. Here. That's the time. <laughs> that, that chapter is in <laughs> low key i will i still would rather play outside than inside hmm. no matter what they will they'll, they'll my, i'll have to get the new hip or something before before that <laughs> man <laughs> it
0: was, it, 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 <laughs> now i can get to the point where you even look at when you look at all that snow and back when you was younger you would think like oh it's about to go down football tackle football in the snow you mm-hmm. look at that snow and you're like you know what what was I thinking? Yeah, I
2: got to drive in this. Yeah, nah.
0: Right, like right. they—they sold us on the fairy tales growing up, man. You got the snow and it looks all pretty, and it's yeah. white, this and all this other stuff. <laughs> now you're looking at it like this is some bull, man. You can't even. You got to drive and all this. You got to shovel snow. Right. Man, nobody told me shoveling snow was fun.
1: <laughs> I guess when it becomes like oh evening, man, life, I thought I used to think cool. shoveling snow was fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Either way it goes, this cold ain't for me. So if you see me go out out to the West Coast or somewhere south eventually in my life, you know why. <laughs> but um, one thing that is warm in our hearts is obviously the sport of basketball in the NBA, which is what we cover. And you know there has been some been some interesting topics as of late that's come that's popped up in the NBA for sure since we last linked up. But this specific topic is new because the NBA just announced their All Star Weekend. Um, starting lineups as well as the all-star weekend festivities. That's going to be taking place with the all-star game happening March 7th in the ATL Ew, Oh boy. This is going to be something else because uh, now you're, you're not talking about, you know, in a pandemic, you got COVID taking place and everything, but now you're talking about uh, magic city. You're talking about strippers. You're talking about Lou Williams wings. You're talking about potentially Karen being courtside. Um, <laughs> is this worth it? (laughs) I mean, is it really all worth, uh, worth taking the risk to just basically have an all-star weekend, which ain't even a real all-star weekend because all-star weekend for me, isn't just about the games. It isn't just about, you know, the, um, the, um, the, you know, the slam dunk contest and three point contest and all these other festivities that take place. It's the events around it. Like it's, it's the networking. It's, the, the interviews uh, prior, the events and the interviews that you get to cover prior, it's the parties. I mean, it's the stuff that makes it, makes, for that, that makes those experiences so much fun. And even, we just had V-Day weekend, which is normally when the All-Star weekend would take place. So V-Day weekend was cool, but it felt kind of lonely still just because All-Star weekend ain't ain't, ain't there no more. Uh, you know, you made you feel even more lonely. If you thought you was lonely then, you was really lonely when you didn't have basketball. So, I mean... This All-Star Weekend stuff, I, I think this is just too rushed, not necessary. We're in a pandemic. You know, like, why can't we just just – we're even blessed to even have these games right now. So to even do something like this, I think it's the most. But I know we talked about this last week between Drew, Chris, and Kyle, but I, I want I want to drive this conversation to, to Sean. Yeah, Sean, go more in-depth your, on your um input as far as this All-Star Weekend, what's taking place. And how the NBA, if 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 you believe the NBA is really playing a slippery slope, as like they have been as of late, trying to get, you know, all this bread that they possibly can through all these events, when at the same time they're putting a lot of people at risk during a, a big event like this.
1: I think it was Tobias Harris I heard today when he was talking about as the players. We understand the business side of this decision uh, because they are in a business relationship with the CBA, with the league. Uh everybody else, I didn't get a chance to go to any of the festivities when the, the All-Star Game was here in Chicago, but I did get an opportunity to go to the Tech Summit. And I advise all three of you guys, like, I know the dunk contest and all that stuff, but, like, if you can get invited to that Tech Summit and the people you get to rub shoulders with, to talk to during intermission, former players, former greats, You know, movers and shakers, man, I had an opportunity to have like a five-minute conversation with Steve Stout. And, I mean, that's the type of stuff that they want to happen. Like, they don't want to miss that opportunity to get all the movers and shakers on the business side together to have those meetings. And that's why a lot of GMs, be honest, the all-star game for Chicago, I think that was the weekend that the Bulls brass did a lot of their homework. To figure out what the next step would be, like that's when they found out like how the league looks at the franchise outside of Chicago, and ultimately that's when Jerry and Michael decided, okay, we need to move on and make some uh, changes in the front office in order for us to change the narrative about our organization. So the business side, there's a lot that goes on that a lot of people don't see because we're so focused on the glitz and glam of the weekend. With the rookie game skills competition, dunk contest, and the game itself, the NBA, you know, is looking at the fact that, you know what, it's not just about the TV money, but there are so many other things that happen, whether it's the Tech Summit, whether it's ownership meeting with sponsors and other deals being brokered during the All-Star weekend, that I think Adam Silver feels like this needs to happen. We need this weekend to happen. And it's a little bit bigger than just, you know, having a game, having a dunk contest. So that's the way I see it. And I just brought that from my own experience here in Chicago, you know, just seeing the other side of it and how really big it was. You know, seeing the president of TikTok and seeing Jeff Bezos up on stage talking about how TikTok was about to take off because it was truly in its infancy. And this was during the NBA All-Star Game Tech Summit. And then you look up two months down the line and it's like, dude. Like it was made for children, but adults took over and just skyrocketed. And I think at that time it was still in like its beta form. It hadn't even fully developed. So, you know, it's just the opportunity for the business side of the NBA and the partnerships to kind of blossom and take things to the next level. And I think that's what Adam Silver is looking at a little bit more than just, you know, picking an all-star team and having people on the court. I do, Mayor Bottoms down there in Atlanta, I understand her fear. It's one thing to have it open and manage Atlanta, and um, I call them the AT Aliens. You know, I don't know the correct name for, you know, residents of Atlanta, but I wouldn't have people outside of Atlanta coming in en in in mass. I know a ton of people that went to the Super Bowl from Chicago and that was that was the NFL so i can only imagine you know the way the nba is connected to us and our culture i can only imagine the number of west siders and south siders that are going to be going to atlanta <laughs> you know they had to stay in hotels in tampa you know they go to atlanta they got we got folks down there <laughs> you know, we got cribs to stay at you know it's much cheaper cheaper flight so that's just tailor made you know it's going to be a it, it's is going to be dangerous, man. You know, Josh, your sentiments, what you were talking about, it's going to be a dangerous situation from a health standpoint. But, you know, the NBA from the business standpoint is willing to take that chance. Yeah, I'll just say, you know, when uh, Adam Silver and the NBA
2: first brought about the idea of the, the bubble in Orlando, I wrote about it and how it was a poor idea and it's not worth it. They proved me wrong. You know, this is a different situation um, but I guess, you know, Adam Silver's a smart guy. Um, hmm. so he, I'm sure he's going to have very, all the precautions in place or whatever he can put in place, uh, to make sure it's, uh, make sure everybody's safe. But, um, we'll see, man, we'll see you, you have experience that the, the three of us don't in terms of just the, the capacity of the whole weekend itself, not just like you just said, the the game and the events, but man, I just, I hope this doesn't turn into something, something, something worse, something bigger, some sort of super spreader event, man.
3: Yeah, uh, I, I just think it's a bad idea. I, the stuff that you're talking about, even if they don't have that, if they don't have the off court, all-star weekend festivities, it's a bad idea because you have so many people down there for an event. And that means that those people in some way, shape, or form are going to connect or want to connect, whether it's inside the boundaries of what they've been given or not. That's, you know, we even saw it in the bubble with, with Josh's favorite player and the, um, and the chicken wings um, <laughs> with James Harden doing his thing. We didn't hear about it, but I, you know what? I'm going to take back cuz I don't think we ever heard anything about James Harden but I I just assume that he was one of the cats who was on his Bumble on his on his Tinder on his um I don't know what the the at the dating app is for high profile celebrities I, I know it's out there but I can't remember what it's called but but all Star weekend I think this is a dangerous point for the people in the country all together because vaccination has started and the warnings have come up from medical professionals doctors we're on the front lines of this thing. We're not out of the woods yet. There's new variants around the world that are coming, people, countries that were thought that thought they had things under control or retightening restrictions. And I think the danger is in the in the United States that where people have where one, the economy is so driven by consumer capitalism, consumer capital, where people have to spend money for other people to make money. The emphasis is to put on this all star weekend so the league can generate more of that consumer capital. Two, people are tired. It's been a long, it's already, it was already a long winter before all the snow. Now people are like even more feeling, feeling even more trapped and they're going to want to get out and go wild, I feel like. And that puts things in a dangerous spot too because we're not out of the woods with this virus yet. So we could have lost the all star game. And been okay. If you want to vote guys as all stars so that they can get their possible performance bonuses, incentives, by all means do that. Do that. If you like we said the last week, you can get on the all-star game and you don't have to necessarily play. It's fun to play, sure, maybe your first or second time, but you don't have to play. I can't see that as anything but um but a plus. And I don't see this
1: game or this weekend as anything but a possible negative. And, I, you know, sometimes I challenge people to think like an executive, right? So Adam Silver knows that the NBA has pockets it has to win because the NFL is king. (laughs) Like, and with Deshaun Watson still being out there, just lingering the entire offseason, like the pockets that the NBA has is NBA Finals, draft. Right after the NBA draft, no, it's time for football. Like, people are rearing up. Camp is starting. It's going into games. And they know that no one really pays attention to the first half of the NBA season. But what jump starts everything? All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend revs everything up leading into the spring and into the playoffs and the little pockets of time that they have to dominate. When the NFL really isn't dominated. So, you know, I'm just trying to look at it from the mindset of the league office, them feeling like they still have to take advantage of certain things. Ratings are down, down for the games. So from a business side, they're sitting in these boardrooms and they're saying, man, how can we get these ratings up? You know, is it profitable for us from a rating standpoint to not have and have the lull of no all-star weekend and we're not playing games and Players are just getting a week off. I mean, that goes into play, and that goes into the thinking. Chris, I agree with everything you said. I totally agree. But just seeing the inner workings and and the other side of things and just how important that side is to Adam Silver, like what the main event for us is the after party for Adam Silver. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. That's the main event for us, the fans. Well, Adam Silver is like, okay, Saturday night all-star game, man, I'm just coming to have drinks and kick it now because I took care of my business on Thursday and Friday at this summit with the movers and shakers. Like, that's the main reason I came down here, and now I can go celebrate all the bread I just made. Mm -hmm. That's really the way, and I think more than likely, of course, they won't have those sessions in person, but you best believe they'll have something virtual. I can almost guarantee that they're going to have some sessions that are virtual and continue on brokering those deals and making things happen.
0: No, that's real. That's a very uh, that's a very good perspective that you gave, Sean, because even last year in Chicago uh, when the All-Star weekend was here, even though the All-Star um, – actual actual basketball events was very well done per se. Yeah. Um, the comment of like the different tech events or um, the different, um, you know, it's personal uh, one-on-one sessions or these big events that took place that was uh, like around the tech summit or people getting involved with different uh, groups and promoting, uh, and promoting the work that they do and things of that sort. There was a lot of connectivity and, and bred throughout those events. I only went to maybe one or two of them. I, mean, I was fortunate to go to a couple of those things. And Sean's right, man. All the heavy hitters were in that joint, trying to make moves. And making moves is like ideal for us because that's extra connectivity. You know what I mean? We're trying to build our build our brands. And when we build our individual brands, you connect with those, type, those top tier talents and those top tier reps. That changes the whole narrative for how your future really ideally could look. And for that to be connected to the NBA as a whole, it makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of tech guys even in the NBA that are big on these type of things. The Andre Iguodala's of the world, Steph Curry's of the world, is trying to get into those things. Like this is what they want to do, not just in the league right now, but post careers. And a lot of NBA players are moving towards that wave. So if they want to be part of that game, like Sean said, you're gonna they're gonna have those big events where not just Adam Silver's making money, but now these NBA players are making additional mo- additional money. So it makes sense. It, it makes sense. And unfortunately, it has to happen in a situation like this where everything is so up in the air because of how how we respond to this virus that's so deadly. But yet, at the same time, Sean's right. Money talks. Money talks, oh. BS walks.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a microcosm of just society in general and how we've dealt with the pandemic as it's going on, man. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll uh, sacrifice our, our pockets for a little while, but at a certain point, <laughs> it's time to earn that bread. Like, even, even the guys that are pushed back, the LeBron James, the Giannis Antetokounmpo, the De'Aaron Fox of the world, if he's going to be selected as reserve, it's only going to be so much pushback before they say, okay, let me toe the line and we are going to do this anyway. Even myself, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm, I'd be hypocritical if I would say that, you know, uh, I don't want them to play, but then I'm not going to watch the game. I'm still going to watch the game. I'm going to watch it all. It's just watching from afar and, and knowing the, the potential dangers that are involved and yeah. kind of measuring it out. But to your point, at the end of the day, money has to
1: be made. That's the whole reason why that bubble was played, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think the Aaron Fox is – I think he's Jordan Brand. Mm-hmm. It, I think he's Jordan Brand. And you guys were here, man. There were so many shoe events <laughs> around Chicago last Boy. week. Yo, the check is already cut, but this (laughs) is how the companies get that money that they paid out to these guys back. Yeah, all star weekend off season coming doing these events, you know, sponsoring these events. And these are partners of the NBA, you know, so you know, they depend on the NBA, but the NBA depends on them. So ultimately, look, as Chris said, man, none of this adds up to the importance of people being vaccinated and us continuing to fight the fight to make sure that we defeat the coronavirus and you know the different types that are popping up whether it's the one from uh Great Britain and the one from South Africa look man we just need to continue to adhere to protocol and uh keep each other healthy because uh, ultimately we're accountable to each other you mm-hmm. know in this fight we have to care about each other you know I I have daughter out in California, man, at school. And I scream at her through the phone every day. Like, yo, who is that? Like, (laughs) Like, You're supposed to be in your room. Like, where are you? I'm, I'm screaming this to get her to understand, like, yo, I understand you're 19. I know what it feels like to feel like you're invincible. I've been there. But, hey, this is real. All right. And it's bigger than you. So mm-hmm. oh, man like chris said let's take care of one another man and ultimately we can get on the other side of this thing and we can open back up and just get back to some type of normalcy mm-hmm. in the near future
0: right. no that's that's real i just hope that as the nba is going through these sponsorships they look at magic city and lou williams and those wings that's just <laughs> said
3: <laughs> Josh is getting paid per Lou Williams, man. Hey,
0: hey. I'm just saying, if Lou Williams want to go that go that deep to go leave a bubble to go get some uh, wave, look, you better you you better have him make him make him a sponsor. Shoot, you like in this now. He ain't got to go nowhere. He right next door. From
1: experience, <laughs> I was there in 2004, which is Michael Jordan's last All Star game in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I was there with my brother. And Atlanta is like one of the worst cities to have an all star game in. And that sounds crazy. Wait, wait, that sounds crazy, right? But their downtown is mid, mm. it's really yep. small for a major city, and everything is spread out. Yep. And the expressways are really bad. So that the commute, like, oh, you yeah. have a great time once you get to the venue. But getting to the venue is like, man, but that's Atlanta, mm. you know? Yeah. That's Atlanta, but yeah, you know, if you're looking for, I think the best, and I have a bone to pick, I have a bone to pick with Paul Pierce <laughs> for the 2003 uh, All Star game. Man, that's for another time. I still hate that dude. I've hated that dude since <laughs> 2003. It didn't matter what he did on the court. I'm like, you're a bum. Like, <laughs> you're a bum. <laughs>
0: Oh man, let's transition to the actual lineups for All Star weekend that's supposed to be uh, happening in Atlanta. You got they—they just—they just announced the starting lineups today. Um, for the I guess for the West, you have Luka Doncic, you got Stephen Curry, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, you got Kawhi Leonard, and then for the East, you got Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Giannis, onto the Kumpo, and Joel Embiid. I mean, for the most part, some of them were givens, but at the same time, do you believe there's any snubs? Do you believe someone else should have been a, in a should have been a starter compared to the ones that got selected? And if so, and and, and why?
3: You know, I, I want to drop this first because we were going to talk about it uh, last week, and we didn't really get a chance to get into it too much. But man, Joyous Randall's numbers are really, really good. Mm-hmm. I if if with if it weren't for him playing in, in the West, if I'm hold on, let me let me make sure I'm right. Is he he's with the Knicks, right? mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Sorry about that.
1: <laughs>
3: I, I was looking, I was looking at his overall numbers and I think I shook it out to um in terms of starters. I had Giannis, um, Zach. <clears throat> oh gosh. I can't I'm trying to pull it at the East is the East is always so, so so bruh that it's hard to remember. But I there was somebody that I couldn't put him over. But it was really difficult. It was really difficult. So if, if there's anybody who I think just just the numbers that he's averaging for a Knicks team that is about as relevant as they've been in four or five seasons, and that's not saying much in the East, you know. A relevancy is is hovering around five hundred for that conference, but he's he's showing that promise that we that we saw all those years ago. I've always liked him I didn't understand why he kept kind of bouncing from team to team after that first injury with the Lakers and now I think is, is his time to shine and he's really putting it on um it I think it would i think you have an argument for him as a starter yes
2: I think I mean you know, that's, that's the rich man's uh, Anthony Mason there, man. <laughs> <laughs> for real. Uh, for real. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's it's only so many spots, and we got to remember that the, the starters are strictly fans. So I myself have to go back and think about when Penny Hardaway started getting injured, and I was still voting for him to be a starter. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> not going to make sense. Uh, you said Zach Levine and, and Julius Randle should be starting. I, I'm not mad at that, but uh, – Come on, man. Who you? Who you? Who are you taking out of that five? For me, Jalen Brown's got to be in there. I'm putting him in in to um, to start for the East, and I'm probably taking I'm taking Bradley Bill out of that starting five. I'm taking Bill out. Let me be, let him be a reserve. Um, uh, if we're just keeping it strictly starters, i will probably probably put Mitchell in for Doncic in the West, like. These guys got the best record in the in the NBA, if I'm not mistaken, man. They be going on a crazy tear. Uh, they're getting a lot of contributions. Mike Conley's playing well, but I, I believe like the face of that team is still Donovan Mitchell. So for him not to be a starter is a, that's that's probably, in my opinion, the biggest snub
1: of the starters. Man, you know what? What Drew just said there, like, makes a lot of sense. I love Jalen Brown as a pick, especially the way he's played, what he's been able to do, the whole thing's kind of steady with uh, Tatum being out due to COVID, Kimba being out early in the season because of his knee. Dude, he's definitely, in my opinion, right there for most improved player because the jump he's taken is like, yo, okay, I see you, young fella. Mm-hmm. Um, you know – we talk about narratives, right, and it plays into, like, fan voting. Like, this narrative for Bradley Bill really started last year because, I mean, what he was doing and the way he was scoring last year, even going into the offseason where it was kind of like free Bradley Bill. That was, like, the move. Like, are they going to trade him? Are they going to get rid of him? And fans had empathy for him because he was just going out there playing hard on a horrible team, and he comes in this season and he just continues to produce – leading the league and scoring and like that wave just got bigger and bigger and i just think fans kind of rallied around him and just kind of like voting him in like yeah bradley bill because i think he got left off the team last year totally right I think, so. I think yeah he was one of the snubs that got left off the team you know the way he was playing last year so i think you started to see that a little bit i mean we saw trey young get voted like almost with the most votes last year like only second to lebron and this year, he was like fifth or sixth or something like that. I think he was behind Zach Levine in voting. So you see those trends with fan those trends with fan voting. You know my snub. Look, if you listen to A2S, you already know where I'm going. All right? Look, let me tell you something. Dame Dollar is a starter. <laughs> Y'all can take – look, I'm t- he has played better than Luka Doncic this year. Luka Doncic stunk it up for the first twelve games of the season. Stunk it up. There's no way you can say Luka Doncic deserved to be a starter over Damian Lillard. And after CJ went down, the way he picked that team up and put them on his back, talk, man, stop. There's that's just it's it's getting it's going beyond disrespectful right now. Beyond, look, Steph, I get it. Because I believe Steph has done the same thing, he's put Gold State on his back, he's had an incredible season. Backcourt should be Steph and Dane. That's it, Luca. Look, bro, I love you. We're bringing it the first 12 games. Let's just be real. Yeah, took you the first 10 games just to lose weight and get in shape. (laughs) That's facts.
2: Can I just say this this subliminal? Coast to coast battle between not coast to coast, but Western Western conference battle between uh Steph and, and Dane is I like it, man. I really do. I, I love it. These yes. Two yes. Players, you know dude. what? It's, it's, it's like Drake and Kanye, or Drake and, and Kendrick just sending subliminal
1: shots to each other. And if you love if you love Dane, because it's all about preference, right? Mm-hmm. Like the two guys I do my podcast with, they prefer Dane. Oh, yeah. I, right? I see I, always, always. I haven't cast my die either way. <laughs> the only thing I have said, the only thing I have said is, if Dame had played with KD, he would have a title. That's it. That's the only thing I've said. Mm-hmm. If he played on Golden State with KD, he would have a title, maybe multiple titles. That upsets people. They feel like I'm disrespecting Steph. i was like, I'm not disrespecting Steph. And then I have to ask the question: If you take away KD, what is Steph's legacy? It's a great legacy, but mm-hmm. his legacy is he changed the game with a three point shot, mm-hmm. right? He split an NBA Finals with LeBron, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta bring up the bad. He choked in a game seven at home, right, on a seventy three win team, mm-hmm. and. He's the greatest three-point shooter we've ever seen. Like, his legacy is still dope. So just because I'm trying to give some love and give flowers to Dane, don't take it as disrespect for Steph. Like, I love Steph because when you put me in that position, then I have to be honest about Steph. It's like, okay, you're saying Steph is all this, but if you take away KD, he has one title. That's it. And if Dane was playing with KD, he probably has two titles. It has nothing to do with which one is better. I'm just saying there are about three or four point guards. If you put them on that Golden State team, they would have been good enough to win the championship. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's it. Give Dame Lillard his love, man. <laughs> Stop being disrespectful, dude. And just because we showing another love to a brother, just because we showing the, you know the darker hue some love, <laughs> It doesn't mean we hating on the lighter, here.
2: Not that. <laughs> that's the, that's the, that's the same nowadays, though. You can't give another man flowers without being seen like you're I'm sitting on you, Sean.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: I do know one thing, though. Dame Dollar is nah, definitely man, I'm best at rapping.
1: With you, Sean. <laughs> he said rap rapping.
0: <laughs> Dame Dollar. Dame Dollar. That's all I got to say. Dame you know, Dollar. No, I don't know hearing, hearing, uh, what you guys are saying. I, I, do, I do think that Donovan Mitchell should have been the starter. Uh, I that, what he's doing in Utah is ridiculous, man. U- Utah has only lost, like, what, two games in the last 22, 23 games? Yeah. They are they, going crazy I, I just, as in the, could,
3: the conference. They have they gone 20-1 and one over the last <laughs> 21 games.
0: Yep. That's, that's what I'm saying. That, and Donovan Mitchell's leading the way, man. That's You can't ignore what he's doing over there, but at the same time, too, Dame Dowler. (laughs) That's just nasty. Like like a whole nother level right now carrying this team, Mm -hmm. dropping almost 40 40 plus a game on average just to keep him afloat. Like,
1: I mean, he did what he lost CJ and Nurkic in like six days. Yeah, yeah, a span of (laughs) six days, and just pretty much is like, okay.
2: it's weird because they got off to such a slow start and it really didn't get their stride until CJ and Nurkic went down. It's, it's strange, man. But that's yeah. it, that gives credence to, to what you just said, Sean, about Dame and Dame time and just how awesome this dude is, man. For whatever reason, it's not necessarily thought of in the same echelon with, with the Steph Currys of the world,
1: but he, he needs to be. And I, Man, I don't know how you guys feel. Do you feel like the Portland organization like pushes for him to be out front? Like, I just really don't see, like, any love from the organization really to get him out there and to get him, like, at the top notch and just get him the love that he deserves, man. Like, you see it, Golden State put Steph out there constantly. (laughs) They constantly put him out there. And it just seems like he's just stuck.
3: I got to – I think that Portland just isn't Golden State, especially the Golden State that we've come to know in the the middle – Steph Curry era, right? right? This is San Francisco Chase Center, billions of dollars. Golden State, you know, Portland. Portland just isn't that. Yeah. Portland is cool. Uh, my partner's out in Portland, and she says that there's there's organ, you know, there's there's businesses moving there, um, moving people there to work, work remotely. People are trying to go to that area now that Seattle and San Francisco are kind of been overflowing, and Nike's there. Nikes in, in Oregon, Nikes in Portland, Nikes in Beaverton. But otherwise, it's still it's still Portland. It's still real crunchy. You know what okay. I'm saying? Yeah it's still real high park co-op. Okay. And the Warriors just have that. I think they once they got the ownership group that they got in and started to build that team and just take in all of that um Silicon Valley type money, they have the luxury to do that. Plus, Steph is just the transformational face of a of the two thousand, the later, later latter, latter twenty tens NBA, by which I mean to say analytics. Dame is, Dame, embodies that too. But, yeah. man, I don't want to. I don't want to go into a thing of, 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 of the look. But <laughs> if you if you talk about it in that sense, you know the two the two guys to us don't look that different, right? But Steph is kind of like he golfs. He's, he's, he's doing cooking shows. He's got his daughter in there. It's almost, it's almost kind of that Iverson thing. Allen Iverson touched a generation of basketball fans, but the NBA didn't want to put him out on the forefront because of who he was, how he talked, how he looked, right? Dame isn't nearly Allen Iverson, but he's never been one to just like say, hey, I need these guys hey, this is my brand, necessarily. Like, Damon's going to do his music, but because he wants to do his music, he's not trying to do these, this, that, and the other, really. Even if he goes on shows, even if he does commercials, he's still just kind of like, his, his brand is, I'm stoic, right? Right. That, that's who Damian Lillard is. So even though he is part of an analytics wet dream just as much as Steph, shooting 38-foot threes, He's not going to be thought of as Steph in the same way. One, because he wasn't on that Warriors team that just destroyed the league. He wasn't in and out, crossing over. He didn't, he didn't make Chris Paul fall down. It's just the optics, I think, in, in a sense. And then it's just the organ, it's the organizations as well. I, I will say that I didn't mention Dame because I thought that he was a starter. I, I must have just looked over it because I was like, oh, yeah, Damian Lillard had a back-to-back 60 games. He's starting, right? I couldn't fathom a universe where people didn't vote him as a starter.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's the winning, too. The winning makes a difference, too, man. I mean, yeah. Paul has to go from being everybody's favorite dark horse to actually advancing in the playoffs, man. I think that's going to make a big difference, too.
0: I'll even take it a step further. I think it's the background. I think backgrounds play a role, too. Because, yeah, yeah, they both came from small colleges. Damon, Damon Lillard came from Weber State. Steph Curry was at Davidson. Steph Curry has a whole father who made a living in the NBA doing, being a three-point specialist, which is what Steph Curry just mastered and took to a whole other level. Yeah. And on top of that, his brother's already doing the same thing and killing it in Philadelphia right now, doing the same stuff. Damian Lillard didn't come for that type of background. So his rise to stardom, especially in the league and where he's at, is going to be, for me, that much more unique because Steph Curry technically has a leg up. He's been seeing this since he was a kid. He's been around this since he was a kid. No. Damian, Lillard, Damian Lillard didn't have that. So since the NBA is accustomed to knowing who Del Curry is, who he played with, what his role was in, in the league, and seeing, and seeing Steph at a young age grow into this, it's easier for the NBA to recognize compared to Damian Lillard, who has the, the, the story like everybody else. You come from the hood, single-parent household, and you – do everything you can, even from a small college, and go from there to making big dollars in the NBA and be in the face of a franchise. It's a completely different upbringing. So I think that plays a role too, because like Sean says, we go by narratives. For the NBA, the main narrative aside uh, that's that's known for them that helps bring that type of big time money is the Steph Curry narrative, because he's already part of the brotherhood. He's already part of that uh, that fraternity, because his pops was part of that fraternity in a very notable and not- notable way. Compared to, compared to Damian Lillard, didn't have that quite yet. He doesn't have that. He yeah. had to build that.
1: You say that, like, before the knee injury, like, one of the biggest, one of the top five narratives coming into this season was the return of the Splash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Like, and the opening of the Chase Center. Like, that was, the NBA is like, yeah, we need that. Mm-hmm. We need this new Chase Center, and we need the Splash Brothers to be out front, and one of the biggest narratives. So, I totally agree with you, Josh, when you talk about that and how important that is. And then, you know, one other thing. For me, above the rim, right, classic, cult classic. We've all seen it, right? I was like, just watching you
3: know, it yesterday. Well,
1: what's, what's the kid that that, that already had the uh, scholarship to North Carolina? Montrose? That, uh, yes, Montrose. Oh, on the other spot, Montrose. Right? Montrose is like Steph. He's already established. Like he's coming into that rivalry game good. His name is established, right? He's the show. Cal is trying to, he's trying to make his name. Right? He's trying, he's trying to have a good game just so Georgetown will finally give him a scholarship late in the process. That's kind of like Dame. Like he's just scuffling and late to the party, late to the narrative party, like you said, Josh. And he's just trying to get into that area where where he's accepted as one of the top-notch players, and now he should be in the MVP running. He should be. As as it currently stands right now, he should be in the MVP running. I don't think he's going to finish in the top three. That's just my opinion. But what he's done up to this point, like, he should be in the MVP running. He should be a starter in the All-Star game. And his name, look, you know what? I'll say it. Hey, dang, look, bro. Forget rapping for like commercials. Like you want suitcases? We got plenty of suitcases for you here in Chicago. <laughs> we can make this work, right? <laughs> you can you can come join the Bulls, right? We can make this work. Mm-hmm. We can make this work. Like, if you want some love, this city will show you love.
0: Without <laughs>
1: if it didn't work like that for us, <laughs> we'll show you some love. <laughs>
0: And we'll make sure he has unlimited studio access where he can do his Hulu live sports yeah. and his album creations.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I want to transition now to, to the um, the political side of the NBA, because as of recent couple of weeks, I know last week, um, the NBA pretty much condemned the Mavericks for not playing the national anthem for the first 13 games of the season. And now they've been putting this policy saying that before every game, you know, all the players have to play the national anthem. But well, even Draymond Green, as of recent, after that came out and was like, "Yeah, this this whole role of ownership and how ownership treats his players has got to change because as players in this player in a, in a player movement in a player-driven league, especially a superstar league like the NBA, you know, the, it's becoming more of um, trying to make it more of like a relationship than an actual business. And the business side of things is, according to Draymond Green, isn't done correctly, especially when it comes to the treatment of his superstars." um i in a sense do agree with that especially in the nba because the nba is a legit player driven league they thrive off of superstars they thrive off of t- top tier talent making moves in the league not just on teams but on and off the court but at the same time as well this kind of goes back to the nfl narrative right where they where you know the nfl owners were like no we, are, we own you as players, we are owners, we, you work for us. So therefore, since we're signing your checks, you do what we say. And that's the unfortunate part of business that especially in the African American community, we struggle to deal with because we don't wanna work for nobody else, but we also don't know how to be owners either. It's an it's a, it's a, it's a unfortunate double narrative that quite frankly, we don't understand. And in, a, in, a, in an entertainment realm like sports, Black ownership is very hard to find. There's only one black owner that we know of even even existing, and that's Michael Jordan. And that's because he's literally Michael Jordan. Outside of that, there's no guarantee you're going to get another African-American owner in any of these top-tier major sports. So how do you find that nine? I mean, does Draymond Green really have a point here when he's talking about the relationship between ownership and players in the league and how it needs to change? And quite frankly, is there even a way for people like Draymond Green to overcome those things by actually being an owner one day or putting together a pool of African American businessmen or or celebrities, whatever you want to call it that have money to help change that narrative in the league. Is is there any is there any hope for that? And does Draymond Green really have a point?
1: Um seeing that we're in Black History Month, man, I'm just reminded of the story of how Bob Johnson actually was able to acquire the Charlotte Hornets. And he went in, he had his meeting with David Stern in the NBA, had all his ducks in a row, and they put him on pause. He had the highest bid. They put him on pause because they want to give Larry Bird an opportunity to put his group together to make a pitch at the last minute. Because the league, honestly, I don't know if they weren't ready for a, uh, a minority owner or they just didn't want a minority owner either way bob johnson had to come back in with force and say look you said this is a business let's handle this like businessmen i'm ready i got the most money let's make it happen and they finally pushed it through and he was the one that sold the team to michael jordan you know and i'm glad that he had the foresight to say if i'm going to sell i'm going to give it to another minority another african american so that we can have representation in this ownership box. And so when I think about that, I think about the mind of Draymond Green, which I love. Like he always talks about people really don't understand or know how to talk about basketball because they don't know what they're looking at. And I think, you know, we talk about narratives, most fans automatically just side with the owners because there's like an ingrained jealousy of players because of the amount of money they make. So anytime a situation comes up, you'll hear most people say, well, man, they should be good, they're making millions. Like, what, is, what does that mean? It's like, yo, if they need to handle business, they need to handle business. It doesn't make doesn't make a difference how much money they're making. You know, old guys in my neighborhood you tell me, stop counting me another man's pockets. <laughs> Like, it's not my job to count another man's pocket. You know, I don't care how much money he's making. I'm looking at the principle of the situation and whether or not it's right or wrong. So Draymond Green comes across as that type of dude. Like, you know, forget all this money. We're just looking at this situation for what it is. And we just need to say whether or not it's right or whether or not it's wrong. And, you know, he talked about James Harden. And he was honest enough to say, yo, we everybody in the league know James Harden was on some BS his last days in houston we know that but man that man wanted out you castrated him but an owner can do something like they're doing with andre drummond and just publicly putting it out there like we don't want him he's cancerous he's not in our future plans and we're gonna sit him you know so it is a double standard you know i appreciate him being able to speak up he's gonna get a lot of respect from a lot of youngsters around the league i think guys that have been guys that have been in the league already know what draymond stands on player issues i agree with them um on the flip side players they but they know players know it's a business man and they know what to expect and most of the time they know how owners view them like i think draymond was the player that made the push I want to say two years ago to get rid of the term uh owner, you know, as far as you know how you describe the people that own it that actually reserve the right financially to be at the head of the organizations and the presidents of the organizations, so and the chairman. So man, look, who is sitting. Y'all know, man. I'm trying not to get too deep into it, man. This is America. I'll just leave it at that, man. This is America. You know, you can go watch the childish gambino video. And <laughs> yeah, it applies across the board. Like this is America. Yeah. There's still, I mean, it yeah, it
2: there's still there's still a growing uh amount of player empowerment, too, though. I mean, to the point where you know, you to get some shots fired at you, and it's just it comes down to um, you having a thick enough skin to deal with it. Because you, if you're LeBron, if you're James Harden, if you're Kyrie Irving, yeah. you can, you can, if you're Anthony Davis, you can push yourself out of a situation you don't want to be in. You can make your money. It's just going to be about can you handle the pushback? Can you handle the, you know, the the shots being fired in your direction? It's unfortunate that you know the owners don't have to go through that same. Uh, the same gauntlet but as you said sean this is sports this is america uh this is kind of just the way it is you said something earlier and i had an epiphany you were talking about how you know fans you know we had this this mentality where we always side with the the owners and because of maybe an in, ingrained jealousy because we're not we're not them we're not making the amount of money they are then i had an epiphany like wait the owners are paying the players so these guys Actually, have the tall money, right? You know, so that it doesn't even make sense when you when you break it down in that in that regard. Man, it's just a dog eat dog type of you know world we live in, man. <laughs> Getting it from both sides. Yeah,
1: I'm glad he had the guts
2: to say it, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he never holds his tongue. I give him that, man.
1: Yeah, I don't
3: always agree with what Draymond said. And honestly, I think the the I approached it less from a what's whether he's right or wrong perspective and what this is going to mean uh, for the future.
1: Mm.
3: I think the fact that he was able to say this means that not a, we, we know Draymond speaks his mind, but we haven't seen or heard anybody on the Players Association come out and say anything tempering his words. So I think something like this is going to come up with the next collective bargaining if it hasn't already. And this is another thing with the NBA. I thought immediately, there's a video, there's a guy on YouTube uh, named Andrew Varga who does these really specific baseball videos. It'll be like switch hitters grounding out from both sides of the plate in the same game. And he had one that was players getting traded. It was just players getting traded. And it was clips from, from games of guys who got traded in the middle of a game you know, at the July 31st trade deadline and just like the reaction and the the, uh, commentators talking about it. And I, as soon as I I was watching it out, that's all I could think about because that happens in the the MLB every single season. They're like, hey, such and such is getting pulled out of the field or such and such is starting on the bench or you see the manager talking to him. So, you know, because the talk has been there for, for weeks. If a team goes like 15 and, and 35 in those first 50 games, the best players getting traded. And everybody knows it. They know it. And they're just, you know, going out and playing unless they dog it. And you really don't see guys dog it in those other leagues because the union isn't strong
1: enough. Well. Right. Mm.
3: The union has never been that strong in, in MLB because in and the NFL even is just kind of gaining steam in the last 20, 25 years. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Sean like the last 25 years,
1: 30 years maybe. Yeah, that the NFLPA it, yeah. has actually gotten more leverage. Yeah, the strongest uh historically speaking, the strongest was probably MLB and then I think the uh NBA has kind of like snuck up on MLB, you know, and made it a closer race, but of course, you see the money being made in Major League baseball. So <laughs> that union man, and that we owe all of that, you know, Kirk Flood, your Kirk flowers, Flood. My brother. Kirk Flood. You're the yes, union sir. and everything that flow for every baseball player today. We tip the cap to you, man. And to your legacy. But uh, yeah, you're right. The NFL is really just trying to, you know, get his footing and trying to catch up. We, we won't even talk about the NHL. They <laughs> top the to bottom, Gary Batman. <laughs> the executive <laughs> only side, for the player side, they they just they, they need to do some work. But yeah, you're right. You're right, Chris. And, and I think
3: I think it's just going to be something come that comes up. I, I apologize. I just wanted to get this last one thing in because oh, boy. you you, we, you can't really compare to everyday jobs. I was trying to do that, so all I could think of was to compare it to other sports, and. It's it's weird because it's something that we accept just because you, you have to have... I don't think there's ever going to be a time where you don't have players traded for some something. And so in that way, players are players, right? Players are human beings, but this is a, a market. So the players are commodities like orange juice or gold and silver. That's why the trade value column that Simmons wrote every year was highly read and, and sought after because it's... The best way of that we had to measure what a player was worth outside of the statistics. What would they be traded for? Hypothetically, so it's 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 weird that I I I had a hard time saying whether he was right or wrong because of that fact. Uh, I, I'm not siding with the owners. I really am not. It's just hard for me to imagine trades not happening in the game, and for that. For what he's – I think for what he's saying, you would have to eliminate that from from sports, from, from basketball first, from National, National Basketball Association first. Or no trade clauses would have to be in nearly everybody's contract. And you will see the league burn before that happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you got – I think if anything, this is why we give superstar talent, especially in the NBA, their flowers now because of the fact that they've been pushing for these things, the Chris Pauls, the Kyrie Irvings, the LeBron James, the outspoken ones that worked with these player unions that fight for that type of equality to where you you let the owners know like, okay, we understand it's a business, but at the same time, give us the same respect that we deserve as you're doing the business. So if you know you're gonna get rid of us, or you know you're gonna trade us, don't make a deal right before a game and we about to play. Or like, you know, like find different ways to, Handle your business, but give us the respect that we deserve as we're handling the business. I think they understand it's a you know it's a business league, and I, I and I think the players like Draymond Green is not denying that. I think he's just saying that ha- we don't want any more Harris Bar- Harrison Barnes moments where you're literally in the middle of a game playing, and then you hear your and then you hear your name being called and you're being traded, yeah. and you have to leave the middle of a game or Andre Drummond's about to suit up, you know, and it's like oh no, by the way, you're not going to suit up anymore because we're about to trade you. If if anything, Detroit gave Blake Griffin a nice plug by saying, "You know what? We're not even going to sit. We're not even, gonna, you know, have you dressed up. You ain't got to come no more games. We'll just sit you down until we actually figure out on the back end what to do with you between for these teams between you and your agent, because we understand the circumstance. I think that's what Draymond Green is getting at, and we but and we all know Draymond. He's you know he's a hyped guy, you know, loud mouth guy, so." people are always going to target Draymond as he's the loudmouth guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about because of the controversy that comes with his name at times. But at the end of the day, if you really dissect what he's saying, he's just saying, we know it's a business, but be respectful with the business because as a player, they don't have to, I mean, as the owner, you know, it's not like they have to move their families. It's not like they have to constantly be on the road 24/7. like have some, has at least have some sympathy and respect with the game and what we're trying to and what we're doing for them you know because at the end of the day the NBA players are putting money in their pockets too it's not it's not just the arenas and and TV deals and stuff NBA players have to make this revenue go too They're, they help this machine run so I think if anything we have to give those, those flowers to those to the players that have actually fought for those things like the Draymonds like the Kyrie Irvings like the Chris Pauls LeBron James etc we got to give them their flowers because If they didn't fight for that, now you're really talking about maybe going to an NFL-esque type of operation, and the NBA wouldn't even be where it is today. So we, I think, if anything, we should really give give them their flowers while they're in their primes of this game because they've really pushed this pushed the equality narrative a long way from you know a long way compared to these other leagues.
1: I will say this, man: you can't knock the hustle. Like to be an owner, to be an owner. In any professional league, it's not easy. Like what you have to have in liquidity and assets, and you're not doing it by yourself. The majority of the time, you're part of a group of other minority owners to make it happen. But that's not easy, man. Like most guys have hustled, started businesses, owned businesses for 20, 30 years, and put themselves in positions to be able to acquire that particular organization. And once you get to that height, I don't know if I expect them to have a lot of respect or to view their subordinates or people that work for their company and treat them with the same respect that they treat themselves or would treat other owners. I, you know, I guess I asked the question, are we expecting too much? Like, man, do you, yo, the dude that's running, the neighborhood, does he really respect the corner boys?
3: Hmm.
1: Like when he comes around, he shows love in certain ways. But when he's up in his condo downtown, while they're freezing on the corner on the south side on the 7 Triple Tray at 2 in the morning, like, dude, does he really respect them at the end of the day? Does he treat them like he treats his man that's right next to him? You know, so it's like, when you get to a certain point in the organization, I just, I know what Draymond's asking asking for. I'm not saying he's wrong. All I'm saying is, are we expecting too much from the owners? Just knowing the way that business is run, are we expecting too much from the owners? Because there's really nothing to make them change the way they operate. Like, that's the sad part about what Draymond said. Like, there's nothing, no drop anchor point that's going to make ownership say, okay, we have to change the way we're moving because it's bad for business. Like, what they've been doing is not bad for business. And if they're okay lessening the market, for themselves by publicly going out and saying we don't want this guy. Like by saying we don't want a guy, that means you lessen what teams are going to give you. Like you did that on your own. And if you're willing to do that, then I I don't know what else to tell you.
3: <laughs> yeah, we're ex- we're expecting too much. Like like I said, it's consumer it's a consumer capitalist system. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, you know, when the governor's the whole good switch to governor's owners, I was kind of mad about that because there was nothing but a name change yeah. for the same thing. You just put some tape on the locker and put another name on it. They're still owners. They still own the team. The only thing that they, the things that they don't own are the stadium that the taxpayers pay for. Let's not forget about that. Right. How, how the citizens of Chicago are probably still paying off new Comiskey park. Um, yeah, we're not gonna see anything we're not gonna see anything different. The it's kinda like the Robin Hood GameStop AMC thing. Yeah. The the as soon as people start to upset the system in a meaningful way, the system busts back because there's so much weight behind the system that's in place that there's so many people at the top benefiting off of that system that do not do not want to relinquish that power. The power, you know, I've a lot of people say that you know, money is the power. Use the power against the other people. I would really like to destroy the the system of that that creates the power, so it can be redistributed. And obviously, that y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. We're talking about capitalism and redistributing, but it's 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 not going to happen. It's like the the Packers don't have necessarily an ownership group. When I read about that, I was I was so blown. And I was like, this would be great, and then I just read something else that said the NFL would never, ever, ever allow that to happen with any other team ever again. You're not going to – you know the dream always people kind of talk about off the cuff. Yo, if we got like 30 or 40 people who could put down however so much money, just a substantial amount of money there were fans, we could buy the team, it ain't going to happen, man. It's not going to happen because that's not who the league's – and the, the system of the system that's in place wants to wanting to own these teams, and they don't want players to have too much power because then the idea is, why would they come and do this if they could, if they had this much? I think this much stake in it, or this much power in it. I would love to see it. I would love to see there be a um, a system like another, some other, some other small companies or, or larger companies where the employees own. A high stake in the in the in the corporation, but
1: it's not gonna see it happen. And Chris, man, let me jump. Chris, yo, man, this is like a whole other podcast. What you talking? I know. Real talk, (laughs) because like you can't be part of that system that's set up and not sell out. Mm. Like real talk, you know what I'm saying? So. If Jay-Z really at aspires to be an NFL owner, I see why he made the move he made. Like, I see it. Like, and put himself in position to catch all hell from black Twitter. You know what I'm saying? In connection to Colin Kaepernick. But then playing the long game and getting inside the club and building the relationship, in the NFL saying okay we appreciate you taking this one for us and down the line maybe like he he's about the only one I can see that's really in position to be able to make a move like that but what he had to do to even get in that position you know joke, like someone asked me would I ever run for political office one time and I said no I can't do it right because I work in ministry as well and I'm gonna be real. I know how politicians work. I'm taking the briefcase. I'm being real with you. And I don't want to bring that into the other side of what I do from a ministry standpoint. It's like when somebody walks in the office like, "Yo, I need this property. Here's 75,000." I'm at that mo- at that moment, I don't even want it to be, well, man, I got God, my beliefs, and then I got this 75,000 That's business because yo to be honest i don't know and i'm i'm being real it's some people that might say i'm definitively i'm not doing it okay good for you i'm a businessman. you know what i'm saying so that's 75 like okay i'm not touching it have my assistant take it out the office here you can have this city property for one dollar do what you want to do with it. But, I mean, like you said, Chris, that's the game that's set up. That's capitalism. It's set up, and if you're going to operate and be successful in it, man, you, you have to sell your soul. You have to sell your soul at some point. If you're going to be playing at that level, hmm. on the big boy level, it's no – dude, that's why they had dirt on each other. Because <laughs> they've all sold their soul to get to where they are, man. Man, that's a Chris, man, that's a whole nother podcast, man. I'm going to have you on my podcast just to talk about
0: that real talk.
1: That's, I'm with it. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, man. I just I just wish that if eventually down the line, you could see more African American owners in these type of realms that can help alleviate some of these issues that players currently have. And one of the one of the ways I really do wish happens is in the WNBA where you can expand the WNBA and have actually, and have NBA players or former NBA players that played in these professional leagues give back to own these different teams and really change that narrative. If you can't do it at the biggest stage, you can do it at, you can pretty much do it at the second, the second level or whatever level it is to help create that change and at least change the narrative. Show that sign that, yeah, you can do the same thing. It's not just a lot of, you know, rich white folks running yeah. the show. Yeah. We can do the same thing here too, and for the NBA to have one black owner, you can change that narrative by putting a lot of black ownership in the WNBA, which is the which is the you know the sibling league of the of the NBA. You would be turning a lot of heads if you're doing it that way. Yeah. So that being said, also support women's sports. Awesome. Right. Sure. Well,
3: definitely. Well, sports Sorry for the sneeze.
0: <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, we're gonna round off this uh, this conversation with some U of I talk. Uh, Sean, I knew you. I know you a big U of I guy. And man, Io is the, is just that's a bad boy right there, man.
1: Yo. <laughs> I hear
0: That's a recently, bad boy right there. I recently um, saw a mock
1: draft that had Io going like twenty eighth, and I wanted to kick the computer off the desk. <laughs> because I saw all of these like college players that were like freshmen, one and done in front of him, the teams are like below 500. I'm like, you know, and then I said to myself, you know what? NBA GMs are smarter than this. They know, you know, and I think the opportunity for him to shine And a postseason play was taken from him last year because the same thing he's doing in the clutch situations this season, he did it last season. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? The the, uh, game-winning shot against Michigan. Uh, The game-winning shot against Michigan State against Illinois, sealing it. I mean, that's just who he is. And him being from Chicago, of course, is like a shield that we all wear, you know, for cats from Chicago, and we rep, and we love guys from the hometown. But when I first saw him at Morgan Park and the buzz about him, I was like, "Ah, okay, you know, and, you know, that's my alma mater. So it was kind of like, okay, all right. And he gets to his junior year and uh, they win the state championship without him. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, no, cuz, like, (laughs) yo. But then they come back. They win again his senior year, and he gets invited to the uh, 17 and under trials for Team USA, and I'm like, dude, there's no way he's making – like, this is like um, Jason Tatum. It's that squad, like Jason Mm -hmm. Tatum and whoever else was on that squad. And I'm like, nah, the kid goes into the camp and ends up, like, in the starting lineup. Like, so he's just a competitor, dude. It's like, whatever he has to do to win, like, he has that. So for me, it's like, whatever team he goes to in the league, he's going to rise to the top. Like, he doesn't care. Whatever he has to do, he guards the best player on the other team. He leads you in assists second and rebounded and his understanding of the game if you just watched the recent game against Northwestern he had five points with eight minutes left but he had only taken five shots but he had nine rebounds and six assists you know what I'm saying and then they cut it to one with three minutes left in the next three possessions, over, I'm ending this, and I'm gonna laugh at you walking down the court. <laughs> you know, just a special kid, man. Really special kid. Brad Underwood has done a really good job. The pandemic probably gave you know the program another year because it's quite possible that Io and Kofi both go into the names into the draft if they would had a chance to go through the normal process. But, you know, the pandemic hits and they come back to school for another year. And, you know, we get this glorious season with them being a number five and having a slight outside chance to get a number one seed. But Michigan is so far out in front. And the only matchup they had with Michigan was uh, canceled due to the uh, COVID-19 problems Michigan had over the previous two weeks. And they just came back to play against Wisconsin and got a big victory. So we won't see uh, Michigan probably into the Big Ten tournament, which I'm mad was moved from Chicago.
0: Yeah. Down to
1: Minneapolis. I was looking forward to that. I was looking forward to attending that as a part of the media. But, yeah, hopefully they can match up with Michigan and beat them and maybe get, you know, a number one seed. But at worst, they should be a number two seed. Really good team. They have an outside shot of getting to the final four, and possibly competing for the national championship. Sean, a couple questions. So,
2: what is what what's the knock on Io right now? Why why did why did these Mike drafts have them so so low? And some people don't like this question, but if, if if you were trying to compare him to somebody that who has not seen him play specifically, who would you most like in his game to?
1: I'm going to save the comparison because somebody popped in my mind, but I'm going to say the comparison, but I will give you this. Uh, His handle was always the thing that bothered me. Uh, You know, Terrence Tomlin and eugene they cover high school basketball like Mm -hmm. no one else for the bigs. Mm -hmm. They would be at the games with me and we would talk. And Gino was always like, yo, he has to improve his handle. He has to improve his handle. He has to improve that mid-range game. And that's exactly what he went to work and did. Mm -hmm. So going to the next level, the handle has to get even better because he has an incredible quick first step. And he's not – it's not that he's not athletic, but he's not super athletic. So he has to make that transition as well. Like, okay, it's easy for me because I'm a legit six-six-five long arm so it's easy for me to get my shot off Mm -hmm. in college but you know when i go to the league and i have somebody six seven six eight guarding me that's just as quick as me like how do i get this mid-range shot off how do i get to the cup and if you see he has a lot of different finishes at the rim he has like that real quick finish off the wrong foot you know then he has the left hand finish and then you know we've seen him go up and dunk on a couple of guys this season too So that's been encouraging. So for me, it's greater than, you know, what he has going into the league because I know he's going to put in the work. That's what you see from the kid. From the time he stepped into Morgan Park with all the buzz and to where he is now, he's put in the work. I think he needs to improve the consistency on his three-point shot a little bit more. You know, he's gotten a lot better at that. But, you know, Looking at his track record, sky's the limit for for the kid. And I'm not saying he projects to be like a superstar in the NBA or anything like that, but I think he's going to surprise. He's definitely – I think he creeps into the back end of the lot. I think once teams get him in, especially if if he's able to show what we've seen in March Madness and he takes Illinois to the Elite Eight or something like that, and it's spectacular at the end of a couple of games and closes games out, and then they get him in, and you see the – man. Like a like a D-Wade-type run with Marquette. Go watch his interview mm-hmm. post-game Northwestern. That's all I have to say. Man, look, and I don't – dude, this kid is quality. I'm talking about quality. When you look at him, you're like, yo, that's a kid that I would love to be the face Of my NBA franchise, just go look at the way he handles the media, the way he answers the questions, the closer he is, he's heartless. He wants to take your heart, you know. And I dare not mention names like Kobe and MJ, but I'm just saying that's just the type of mindset he has. That he wants to kill you, like when it's time to put, take you out of your misery, cut your neck off, cut your head off at the neck. That's what he wants to do, and you know, you get that along with the Work ethic, yo, like I said, the sky's the limit. I don't know why they have at 28 and 30. I just I don't know. I guess because the NBA loves potential, right? I mean, that's why that's why Pat Williams went number four. Potential. So finished product or potential. What do you want? You know, take an organization like San Antonio. They love finished products, they love kids that have been in college two, three years that they can develop, you know. So a team like that will see IO and say, yo, we'll sit and work with him for a year Mm -hmm. or two years. You know, then next thing you – look at Keldon Johnson, what he's doing for San Antonio. Like, yo, you would have thought he disappeared after he came out of Kentucky. But they sat him on the side for about a year, let him learn, let him get some burn in the G League. They put him in that San Antonio developmental system and look at him now starting and playing well you know so that's you know beauty is in the eye of the beholder right
0: yeah, yeah. yeah that's real and, I was gonna, and that's what i was going to highlight just the fact that yeah unfortunately we obviously think io is a higher draft pos- prospect than where he's currently at, but that could really play a benefit to him based because you know the some of the top tier best organizations especially from a development perspective yeah, are yeah. in those later rounds. Yeah, you so depending on where he lands, if that is the case, his career can really excel to another level and can really give him that longevity that he really rightfully deserves, uh, combined with the talent and skills and his work ethic that he has. That that can really help him take that trajectory to another level if he falls in the right organization that's willing to work with him and develop him, like the Denver Nuggets or yeah, you know yeah. things of that sort that that are and like you said the Spurs teams that are really known for developing quality talent, no matter where in the draft they are. And they just they know how to scout talent and develop it to the level where their production is more than what they bought more, pretty much more than what they paid for. So.
1: And he said I, something interesting the other night, he was asked a question. He was like, I'm a point guard and that just messed me up. He was like, man, I'm a point guard. That's what I've been playing my whole life. And he was like, I play the positions I play for this team. He said, but the majority of the time, the ball is in my hands and I'm in pick and roll. I might not be at the point guard position, but I'm a point guard. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is what this kid sees himself as on the next level. Like he sees himself as a point guard, you know, and that's, I, you know, I'm not saying, you know, he can match up with Dane, but he's a problem. At that size, you look at the way he works the pick and roll, he's a problem coming into the league because he's going to have space to work. So go let him, go ahead and let him slip out of the lottery. Let, <laughs> let, let one of these playoff teams get an asset like that. Right. The league is, man, sometimes they just totally miss it. Like, you're just going to let him slip out of the lottery? Okay. <laughs> go right ahead. Well done. Like you said, mock drafts love potential,
3: so mm-hmm. you can only go is you can only take you, you got to take it with a grain of salt right i'm not I am not a a student of of the of the draft. I am not one of the guys who does all the research. Uh, shout out to Sam Viceni, any of those guys. but because there's just so much to go over, I just know the little bit that I know that Cass have been talking about this i o kid since he came out of Morgan Park he's got Illinois ranked number five.
1: That's all I need to know. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Yo, That's all and, I need to know, baby. Dude, this is not hyperbole. This is not hyperbole. You're talking to a kid that has followed Illinois basketball forever. He's the best player to ever come out of Illinois. Bro. When it's all said and done, Damn. I'm telling you, You have Mm. to go back and look at – we had this discussion. Ryan Baker was the first one. I have to give him credit. Ryan Baker, who was with that 1989 team. sure was. On the sidelines as a GA, he was the first one to say, yo, we need to start the discussion of whether or not this kid is the best player to ever come out of Illinois. Not the best NBA talent. not the best nba prospect i'm talking about the best career at illinois like for four years three years like yo you got to look at that like you honestly have to look at it go look at his records go look at the records he holds and name a closer name a better closer in illinois history I
3: I wanna go just because it, that was my best time. I I loved I loved Frank Williams so much.
1: <laughs>
3: I I rock with Frank. I and rock then, with Frank. and then Darren Williams after that. But it's it's tough for me because I, I can I gotta I gotta bone up. I haven't seen that many games yeah. in the past couple seasons that IO's been on the team. I've just read the stories and heard about it. So yeah you know these are the these are the guys that
1: are jumping out in my memory but his ascension is very similar to d wills because d will his freshman year didn't have a jumper was a true point guard then that second year uh, i think he breaks his jaw early in the year he comes back later in the year i think they upset cincinnati and eventually lose to duke in a sweet 16 and then they come back the next year they're a top 5 team they go on that run, they make it to the final four, and all of a sudden, D. Will is a lottery pick. And that's kind of the same trajectory has had. He comes in with the buzz. You know, he's good, he's starting, but you can see his game is very raw, just like Darren was. Then all of a sudden, you start to see this kid closing games, hitting big shots in the middle of last year. Illinois creeps into the top 10, but they don't have a chance of going to go into the tournament. Like D. Will and d will had his second year to get his team to the sweet 16 i think illinois would have made it to the sweet 16 last year and now Mm -hmm. this year you see him getting even better i think he's going to be in the lottery i just think his career at the end of the day his numbers would look better at at illinois than darren's did that's just my opinion that's just my opinion and Brian baker put it out there and i was like yo I still think he closes games better than Frank. That's just me. That's just my opinion. And I love Frank Dub. <laughs> I love Frank Dub. the Peoria connection that was him and Marcus Griffin. But, yo, this cat, this guy, Io, he's exceeding my expectations.
0: My yeah, brother. he's 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 doing U of I of uh, proud for sure. You know, making us a top five team overall in in the college basketball ranks, and you know, he's making you He really helped put U of I back on that map since uh since Bruce Weber's departure um, to and that that Final Four experience. So we yeah. got we got to give I O and that whole you know program as a whole, especially right now, their flowers while they while they like because you never know. How long they gonna keep this up? So we gotta make so we definitely gotta get them their flowers for sure.
1: Well, you know, IO leaves and then you know they have another Morgan Park point guard, you know. Yeah. That's you know, takes the run next year. So <laughs> you know when you need when you need basketball help, you know, you come to the south side, 1744 West prior. You can come get a good <laughs> Good anchor for your basketball program. <laughs> kind of show love to my Mustang family out there.
0: The pipeline,
1: the pipeline for sure, for sure,
0: for sure, man. Morgan Park has definitely has some top tier, has some top tier talent that came up there and did it, and did it in the college ranks, for sure. We got, so we got
1: one more. That's a sophomore. I'm just yeah, saying,
0: two yeah. Years,
1: two years from now. <laughs> He'll be he'll be eating cheeseburgers with Ronald. <laughs> That's the all-american game. You heard it here first.
0: Oh man, most definitely, man. Most definitely. We're gonna wrap this thing up. I don't know what the heck just happened to Chris. Chris has dropped off, but um and yeah, I know,
1: man. I got a jet out of here too, fellas, man. Yeah, most
0: it's definitely. Man. Great, thank, man. Man. Thank, you, man. thank you, man, for coming on, giving us your expertise, man. We really appreciate it. Love to have you come back for sure.
1: Anytime you know, I love y'all, man. Anytime y'all need me
0: for anything, hit me up. Most definitely, man. Thank you.
1: Appreciate you, Sean.
0: And uh, everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of Running with War. Because as you can see, we be balling. Hey, we, we be balling on this on these episodes, man. <laughs> we be, we be getting all types of action going on and giving you all the latest inside the sports realm. And of course, follow everything, war media. And we are Regal Radio. We got a lot of great stuff coming your way. You talking to, you know, two two people right now who you, who are doing it. We're doing big things for the for the site. You got Drew in the Chicago Exchange and this maestroness of the pen in every way, shape, or form with his with his uh with his column writings and you know with the In the Scope podcast taking place on Friday. Be on the lookout. Yes, sir. Look out, Craig High just stopped by this past week to, to to talk all things NBA and politics. So. Ooh. He he didn't he didn't he did not take things lightly. He didn't he, he, he brought the heat. He brought the heat. So definitely something you don't want to miss. And to all the Warmita family, shout out to Kyle, um, doing great things as the, as the as the co-founder and founder of this of this establishment, doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Normally he'd be hosting the show. Normally he would be hosting this show, but uh, you know, he decided to take us on a little vacation one time for the one time. So little okay. Big dog. little
1: um,
2: for the boss.
0: <laughs> right so that being said man stay in touch with what we're doing you see the you see the social media tags on the on the on the on the front page man follow us on social media follow us on regal uh, regal radio youtube Warren anchor you name it we we out here and um be easy ah there you are my
3: internet drop man has been going in and out all day with the snow man F the snow <laughs> It's the all snow right. Is, snow is officially the, the ops. <laughs>
0: <laughs> man, it's all right, man. We was just doing our final shout-outs and goodbyes anyway. So of course we were shouting out, you know, Drew and, I, and we'll be doing everything, but for sure we can't forget about Juicy Breezy. You out here bringing all the heat. Bringing all the heat with 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 your expertise and going in depth and analy- uh, analytics, you know, you got like that. So, uh, we thank you for your expertise as well, man. We got to. You know, like I mentioned before, Chris Craig Hodges just comes on, came on e- in the scope this week, dropping tomorrow, talking uh NBA and politics. So it's, it's going to be a big Man, episode. Yeah, don't, definitely don't want to miss that. And like I said, Drew is the maestro over here with the pen. So you know, every time he come out with something with Chicago with Exchange and his other columns, you know that heat is on. That heat is there. It's like Rick Ross. He she fell in love with the pen, started effing the ink. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> Woo, Rick Ross with the bars. That being said, man, everybody, follow War Media. you know the hashtags and the the social media tags on, on the front pages, man, follow us. We're all doing great stuff out here. And, you know, we'll be back with another Running With War episode next week. Until then, as the boss says, keep bouncing.